0: Happy Sabbath Church family. Once again, I want to welcome you to Jakarta Central Church and also uh, to Power Hour. This is a moment where we present the Word of God to just try to inspire you to be able to live for Jesus Christ. Before I get into our series for today, because today is the last day of our series Fight Club, and after thinking and reflecting on it, I feel like Whatever I wanted to say and what I needed to say, I have been able to say it. So today I'm gonna to shut the door on Fight Club. Maybe another time I'm going to reopen them and we're gonna reflect on on this concept again. But today is is the final day. But before I tell you about anything else, I just want to let you know that we're gonna launch into another series beginning next Sabbath. And I'm calling it Dare for More. It's gonna be exciting, right? I believe that we don't have to live Uh, at a meager pace or we don't have to live with with little things we actually can uh, dare for more and and grasp for more and and god is willing god is able god is interested in doing more things for you the question is are you willing to dare uh, for more but in our series fight club five episodes have taught us many precious lessons god fights anywhere In any space, in any situation, God fights there. But it does not give you the right to fight anywhere and anyhow. And you must be careful not to fight undercover. Because sometimes when you fight undercover, you end up getting into trouble because you change who you are to fit a situation which you don't need to fight. If you have to change and be different... I don't think that's a good a good strategy. We also understood that times, at times, fights are going to be uncomfortable. And that's that's how it is. A fight is uncomfortable. But if the fight matters, it's okay to get uncomfortable. But remember, you are the secret weapon of God. It's you, the weapon that God uses. And when you tap into the divine standard, in spite of the limitation of the human standard (laughs) god is willing to do great and amazing things uh, for you so today i want to bring our attention for episode six to second kings chapter 13 and verses one to number nine in second kings the writer is arguing for the justification of judah in being in babylon He paints a picture of a God who has done all he could to change the course of of the nation. But the nation has chosen to persist in their own ways. And because of their own ways, God has put them in Babylon. And so he is writing in second Kings to let them know that uh, God does not fail in spite of our unfaithfulness, in fact, when we are punished, it's simply showing that God is indeed keeping his word. Now, once again, 2nd Kings chapter 13 and verse 1 to number 9. 2nd Kings chapter 13 verses 1 to number 9. This is a story of a king. He's not well known. He's not a David. He's not a Saul. He's not a He's not a Solomon. He is a Jehoahaz. We don't know him too well, but his story needs to be listened to as we bring Fight Club to a close this morning. 2 Kings chapter 13 and verses 1 to number 9. The word of God says in the, and I'm reading from the King James Version. In the three and twentieth year of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned 17 years. That's uh, Tujublas. Verse 2 says, And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. In other words, he clung to the ways of Jeroboam. And the anger of the Lord was kindled, or we like to say was lit against Israel. And he delivered them into the hand of Hazael, king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, all their days. And Jehoahaz besought the Lord and the Lord hearkened unto him. I love that. For he saw the oppression of Israel because the the king of Syria oppressed them. Verse number five. And the Lord gave Israel a savior. Mm -mm -mm -mm. God knows how to save. And the Lord gave Israel a savior so that they went out from under the hand of the Syrians. And the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before time. And nevertheless, they departed not From the sins of Jeroboam, who made Israel to sin, but walked therein, and there remained the grove also in Samaria. Neither did he leave of the people to Jehoaz, but fifty horsemen, and ten chariots, and ten thousand footmen. For the king of Syria had destroyed them, and had made them like the dust by threshing. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoahaz and all that he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Jehoahaz slept with his fathers and they buried him in Samaria. And Joash, his son, reigned in his stead. For this morning, for the next 30 to 45 minutes, allow me to bring to you the concept, an all-moment transaction. An all-moment transaction transaction or a mt an all moment transaction Bow your heads with me one more time God please 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 I need you to help me take away any distractions take away any noises anything that may get in the way may the word be heard I pray in Jesus amen and amen all his acts all oh, that he did, all of his might were written in a book in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Can you say that someone has written or is writing your life story? Jehoahaz could. When he died, his body was placed in the state cemetery And in the state capital, can you say that when you will die one day, that your body will be placed in the state capital and the state cemetery? Jehoahaz could say that. When he died, his son became king. That means that he created a dynasty. That means that he left a legacy. Uh, Can you say, can you believe, can you plan for your dynasty? When you will leave this world one day, will you be able to say, I have left a dynasty? Jehoahaz could. When you read this eulogy that I've just presented to you, the eulogy of Jehoahaz, it glows. This is the eulogy that you want to have. You want your, your life written about. You want honor in death. You want to leave your family at the right place. Who doesn't want that? And Jehoahaz has had that. But if I only end here, you will misunderstand the real story. Because the backstory of Jehoahaz is a little bit more disturbing than what I've just told you. I have just told you the end story, but let me tell you the backstory of his life, Because, you know, eulogies usually sound so good. You see, verse 2 documents for us the backstory of Jehoahaz. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. You'll see it on the screen in the King James Version. But I'm reading it from the Message Bible because it gives it a little bit more clarity. And just, just listen up. The second Kings chapter 13 and verse number 2. He lived an evil life before God, walking step for step in the tracks of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who led Israel into a life of sin, swerving neither left or right. You see, Jehoahaz chose to live a life of evil before the Lord. It's like when you live an evil life, it's like getting in your car, seeing a policeman, uh, by the side of the road, checking the speed limit, but because he's checking the speed limit, you speed up. Now, you don't need to be a scientist to realize that that's a self defeating action. Because the moment you pass the police officer, the moment you pass his car, the moment you clear his car, he's gonna flash his lights. And he's going to be behind your tail. And he's going to pull you over and give you a ticket. But because a person believes that they can live by their own authority. Because they believe that it's up to them how they live their life. A person can actually speed up when they see the police man. The fact that Jehoaz was living an evil life before the Lord. It's as if he's saying, Lord, I don't really care what you do. I don't really care who you are. I don't care that you're the God of the universe. I live my life the own way. And so he, he lived his life based upon his standard. I talked about that last week. But I need you to know that your choices shape your circumstances. Your choices shape your circumstances. Because of Jehovah's choice to live a evil life before God, it lit God's anger. What that means is God became upset because he was living an evil life and he was living a life in which he would say, you know what, Lord, you you can't tell me anything. I am my own boss. God got angry because of that. And because God got angry, what he did is he put him under the thumb or the weight of Syrian oppression and put him under the weight of foreign tyranny. And foreign rule. And so a man who thought he could have uh, political prowess. A a man who thought he could have political power. Instead of having political power. He was experiencing political poverty. He was experiencing political loss. Because he chose to live a life. He chose to live a life under his own standard and his own estimation. You see the story is so sad. Because of the Syrian domination, we read that Jehoahaz was left in financial depletion. Jehoahaz was left. He died possessing, check this, he died possessing 50 horsemen. He died possessing 10 chariots. He died possessing 10,000 footmen. In fact, the text is so sad in verse number 7. He says, he was so depleted that he was like a grain after it has been threshed that's simply an ancient version of saying he was dead he was broke he was in debt and he was busted so when you now see this picture of jehoah now you realize that the eulogy we read is really a sad eulogy because it represents a man Who had every opportunity. It represents a man who had every potential. But because he wasted it. Because he didn't live up to it. He died incomplete. And incompetent. And impotent. He died a life in which he did not fully tap into the power. Into the potential that he had. And I want to believe that we live. In a year 2020, where we have many Jehohazes walking around. Many Jehohazes go to the office. Many Jehohazes are preaching. Many Jehohazes are doing ministry. Many Jehohazes are kings within their families. Many Jehohazes have the, the, the privileges and all the rights in life. But because they choose self-defeating tendencies because they choose self-defeating habits they die defeated lives how sad it is that a man who had every potential in life he didn't live up to the potential that he had you see self uh, defeat is defined as doing something against yourself that defeats the very thing that you're trying to achieve for example you tell yourself I will ask for the promotion. I'm going to go to the boss and ask for the promotion. But before you get to the boss, you pause and you say, you know what? Can I actually get this job? And because of your own self-doubt, because of your own self-insecurity, uh, you defeat your purpose in actually trying to get the promotion and you settle for the demotion. You see, self-defeat is putting yourself in a disadvantaged position when you have all the advantages to succeed in whatever position you find yourself in life. Here is a king who I consider a man who had every advantage, but because he chose the self-defeating habit of living a life outside of God's will, he defeated himself. I discovered this week that self-defeat is actually a disorder. Uh, the health experts, those who study mental health, they have come up with the concept SDPD. They call that self-defeating personality disorder. If you want to read about this, go on the Fountain of All Knowledge, Wikipedia, and you can read more. But allow me just to give you five indicators of a person who is suffering a self, self-defeating personality disorder. So the person who is suffering self-defeat, uh, a self-defeating, self-defeating personality disorder, man, I have to clear up my mouth this morning. I don't know, I don't know what's, what's going on. The words are not coming as, as they should. Could you please pray for me? I think I need your prayers right now so that the Lord will just utilize this moment and, and speak to your hearts. A self-defeating person chooses, get this, chooses people, places that lead to disappointment. That's number one. A self-defeating person will reject help from others. Number two, a self-defeating person responds with depression, guilt, or pain after an achievement. That's number three. A self-defeating person will incite anger. Or rejecting responses from others and feels hurt. For example, you will make a joke about yourself. And when others laugh about you, you become angry and sad about that. That's number four. A self-defeating person will fail to accomplish crucial tasks for their life while they're helping others to accomplish their task. For example, you will write the paper for somebody else but yet you will not write your own paper and so it is true that self defeat is really a personality disorder and and the experts are telling us that there are so many people out there so many people who are living their lives that are suffering under the weight of a self-defeating personality disorder. And I wonder this morning, if you are not one of those people, that you're always telling yourself certain things. You're always double-checking yourself. You're always doubting yourself. You're always not confident about who you should be. God tells you, I love you. Somebody tells you I love you. Somebody tells you you're good at this. Somebody says, you know what? I've never seen anybody do like this. But you're like, ah, no, you know. Anyway, it was not my best. I could do better. I'm like, can you just accept the the compliment? Can you just accept that whatever somebody has said to you about you, about your capabilities and abilities, is actually a true estimation of how they see you? You don't have to shoot that down and say, you know what? I'm not this good person. No. And I, I believe that. This is how we sometimes defeat ourselves. When I look at the life of Jehoaz, I see him suffering what I call the KSDD, kingly self-defeating disorder. I need you to understand that for a period of 250 years, every king that came into power in Israel, they followed the pattern that Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, had set. Jeroboam was the default option When kings came into power, whether we talk about Ahab or we talk about Joash and we talk about all the other kings. And today we're talking about Jehoahaz. When they looked at how they should minister the kingdom, how they should fight war, how they should uh, call up a meeting and have a council discussion. The person who they looked to was Jeroboam. Jeroboam was the default option. You need to understand that Jeroboam was what Sukarno is or was to Indonesia. You need to understand that Jeroboam was what Martin Luther King Jr. was to America. You need to understand that Jeroboam was what uh, uh, Gandhi was to India. He was a bigger than life figure. He was the person that people looked to. And the wind of Jeroboam's influence blew upon every king that came into power. And no wonder we read in verse number 2. Check that on the screen. No wonder we read in verse number 2. That Jehoahaz followed the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Which he made Israel to sin. He did not depart from them. Pay attention to the words follow and did not depart Jeroboam I mean Jehoahaz looked at Jeroboam and he studied his life and he he made sure that he followed his lifestyle. He made sure that he followed his leadership style. He made sure that he followed his management style. He did not deviate from it. It's as if you're going to the airport. You're on the toll road and you know that you know what I'm going to the airport and this is the road that I've chosen and that's the road that he 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 you you, you're going. You're not going to deviate anywhere else. You are stuck in this lane and this is how Jehoahaz Jehovah has found himself stuck in the lane of every other king, stuck in the lane of every other predecessor, uh, following this example of a man who was dead 250 years before. He reminds me of people who uh, follow, and my grandmother always did it this way. Uh, this is how it's always been. This is the the path it has been set. We cannot deviate from here to there. He reminds me of people who repeat the mistakes of their their parents. It reminds me of people who follow the very example that their teacher has said. Reminds me of people who want to talk like certain kind of people. It reminds me of people who want to dress like certain kind of people. It reminds me of people who don't have their own personality they are suffering a personality disorder not because they don't have a personality but because they have put themselves in the straitjacket of copyism Jeroboam was a bigger than life figure he was the default option and Jehovah has settled for this for this default option You see, a self-defeating attitude settles for the default option. It sniffs for the path of least resistance. It sticks to the familiar. It says, the devil you know is better than the devil you do not know. A self-defeating attitude never wants to do anything uh, different. And listen to me. Uh, Beloved, if you are in that situation where you never want to do anything different, I'm here to tell you that you are possibly defeating yourself. You're possibly not doing the the very best that you could be doing for yourself. You see, every app you buy, every apartment that you rent, every computer that you use comes with a default option. But you know very well that the default option The default setting of the app. Or the computer, or the apartment, does not always suit your needs. That is why you will rearrange the apartment. That is why you will reset the options in your app. Uh, that is why you will you will go on your computer and you say, you know what? I want it to be in dark mode or light mode, or I don't I don't want to see this this um, this screen saver. You choose another screen saver because you understood the fundamental component. You need to customize what you have. To suit your needs. You see Jehoahaz. Did not customize his kingship. According to his needs. He customized his kingship. According to the needs of Jeroboam. But Jeroboam was not alive. Are you seeing what I'm going with this? You see, when you set up for the default option in your life, it simply means that you are not allowing your life to, to, to treat you in a way that it can benefit you, but you're allowing your life to benefit those around you. Always listen to what people say. Always uh, following what they, they say you should follow. That is not helping you. That is only defeating you. And I'm praying this morning, right here, right now, that you may look at your life and figure out, are the options in my life? Are the options that I've set in my life helping me or taking away from me? Are they helping me to be the best person that I can be? Or are they taken away from me to be less than what I should be? Is the option to eat the way I eat actually helping me? Or is it because this is how it has always been done? Are you understand what I'm saying? Go throughout your life and see, am I living based upon the dysfunctions of my family? Am I living based upon my past mistakes? Are those the options that are controlling my life? Because when you start to evaluate the things in your life, why you do what you do, why you, 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 you study the way you study, why you buy how you buy, why you associate with certain friends. And when you start to evaluate those carefully, you begin to realize, mm, I think this thing I need to get out of the way. I think this thing I shouldn't do anymore. So do not settle for the default option. The default option is meant to be adjusted to fit you and your options. You see, following a default option produces undesirable results. On my music player, the default option is, check this, the default option is for songs to play one after the other. So one song plays, it goes to the next song, it goes to the other song. But when I have found a song that I like and I love and I'm saying, man, I'm jamming to this song, you know what I do? I change the option from playing consecutively, I change it to repeat. And because I changed the option to repeat, I achieve the desirable ap- the de- desirable results of enjoying that song over and over and over again. But if I had not changed the option from uh playing continuously to repeating, I would not have achieved the desired results. I would have achieved undesirable results. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you look at the life or the track record of Jeroboam, the default option that everybody seemed to follow, you begin to see that the track record was not good. In fact, it produced undesirable results. Take, for example, Ahab, this man we know so well, a wicked king. Because he chose the default option, Jeroboam, we began to understand that he died, number one. His 70 sons were executed, beheaded. His wife, Jezebel, Mm, jezebel she she fell from the house dogs licked her licked her blood now jehoah should have looked at this situation and say you know what every other king that has followed the the default option of Jerob, uh, jeroboam their life never ended good but he didn't reevaluate he didn't change the option and and when you read his story as I told you at the very beginning is that he died oppressed he died poor and he died broke you see when you do not adjust the default options you are simply hurting yourself you are simply disadvantaging, disadvantaging yourself you see let's say that you're Your default option is procrastination. You know that if your default option is procrastination, it is going to create a situation in which you're going to be tension filled. But if you tell yourself, you know what, I'm not, I'm no longer going to go to my default option of procrastination when I have a task to do. I'm actually going to do the task that I should be doing right now. You know what's going to happen? You are going to be tension free. You're not going to be sitting late at night on the computer trying to type that report and you know what happens when you have tension in your back you know your your neck tightens uh, your back knots up and your your you in your brain you cannot think uh, uh, you cannot think well and you are just stuck you are just under tension, trying to finish, trying to write, trying to type because you, you did not change the option from, from procrastination to determination. It's because you didn't, uh, you didn't advantage yourself. And so, brother and sister, one of the things that I need you to learn that if we are not to defeat ourselves, we have to learn to do things that are not comfortable but things that are going to be comfortable later on yes changing from what you know changing from what's default changing from what's comfortable to you may be a little a little uneasy for you at the moment but trust me after a period of time you're going to thrive hallelujah somebody and so jeroboam jeho has he chose the default option but he didn't take time uh, to uh, to reevaluate himself you see, when you choose a default option, you produce undesirable results. And what happens is this. You don't allow yourself to tap into what I call the nine lives of development. Uh, check this. Jehoah has chose the default option of Jeroboam. Perhaps had he said, you know what? I'm not going to choose this option to pattern my leadership. I'm going to choose the pattern of David. I, I know David is from the south and you know, south and north we don't you know we parted ways but anyway i can follow his example maybe jehovah's story is totally different he could have uh, allowed himself to get to a higher level if he had only made a different choice you see the choice is always in your power the choice is always in your hands and it is up to you to decide how your life is going to go are you going to be stuck in the same level or are you going to elevate yourself to go to another level? But Jehovah has, you know what, said, you know what, nah, let me just go for the simple thing. Let me just go for the easy thing and I'm going to settle and be okay with that. But this is what struck me as I was thinking. I said to myself, Lord, um, what was it about Jeroboam? That made every other king to follow his footsteps. What was it about Jeroboam that people said, you know what, the king, every king said, you know what, I want to follow this guy. What was it about Jeroboam that made people cling to him? When I did a little reading, I found out that Jeroboam was the first king of Israel. What that means is, as the first king of Israel, he... he, he achieved greater than life status. Out of all the kings, when you study in the book of Kings and, and Chronicles and Samuel, you discover that he is he stands in special company as, 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 as one of those kings that was invited by God to be a king. David was invited by God to be a king. God chose David. Saul was invited by God to be a king. God chose Saul. And Jeroboam was also one of those kings that was chosen by God. Check this. God elevated him to a high position. But as soon as he got into the high position, he was afraid because he said to himself, if I allow my citizenship, my citizenry, to go down into Jerusalem and worship in Jerusalem, they're going to turn their backs on me and start to follow Rehoboam. So what he did was he built Two stations of worship or places of worship, one in Bethel and the other one in Dan. So he basically said, look, don't worry about going down to Jerusalem. We're going to make worship convenient, just like what we're having right now. Worship is convenient. And I'm sure some of you are in your pajamas, you are in your slippers, you're in your shorts, you're sitting at home. You know, worship is very comfortable. So that's what Jeroboam decided to do. We're going to make things easy and nice and good for everybody. And he also said, you know what, it should not just be the Levites who are the leaders in spiritual matters. He opened up the priesthood to everybody. And then the last thing that he did is he moved the religious ceremony from the seventh month to the eighth month. And the people in Israel hardly agreed with him and they went along with the plan. And for a time, he was able to cement His dominance, but in cementing his dominance, he broke allegiance with providence. Oh, that's good. He cemented his dominance, but he broke allegiance with providence. He wanted the power. He wanted the political positioning. He wanted the political influence, but he didn't care about the allegiance to God. But here is a funny thing. It was God. Who put them in power. It was God who elevated him. But he thought more about keeping what God gave him. Than focusing on the one who gave him the gift. He focused on what he had. More than who gave him what he had. I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody. That sometimes in our lives. We are so stuck on what God has gifted us with. That we forget that the gifts come from a gifter. Sometimes we're so focused on our gift that we don't properly give God the honor that he deserves. And here's what happens. When you focus on your gifts and and the talents and the abilities that you have more than the one who gives them to you, you have to work very hard to keep those gifts. Jeroboam you, have to be, uh, Jeroboam you have to become very creative in how you're going to sustain your abilities in how you're going to sustain your power in how you're going to keep yourself at the elevated position because, because your focus is not on the one who gave you who sustains you but the focus is on yourself and how you can sustain what you, sustain what you have and too many of us brothers and sisters we are right there we're trying to sustain our wealth but forgetting that it is God who gives us our wealth we're trying We're trying so hard to sustain our families, but forgetting that it is God who gives us those families. We're trying hard to sustain our jobs, but forgetting that it is God who gave you the job. We, we try so hard to sustain our health, but forgetting that it is God who gives you that health. It is a wise or an incorrect situation to focus on what you have more than the one who gives you what you have. And Jeroboam did that. And the fact that Jehoah has, check this now, the Jehoah has chose to follow the example of Jeroboam. It means that he was more concerned about cementing his dominance than his allegiance with providence he was more concerned about that and so he said you know what i need to maintain my power i need to maintain my position oh jeroboam did it i can also do the very same thing and i wonder what is your value system right now what is more important to you right now what is more more urgent for you right now is it to cement your dominance In your company, in your family, in, in your, in your, in your title, in, in your education, or is it to cement your allegiance with providence? Because the last time that I checked, things do not happen by chance (laughs) haha they happen by providence god is the one who takes care of you god is the one who makes sure that you breathe and you wake up every morning god is the one who makes sure that it gives your voice the ability to project god is the one who has been keeping the virus off your back god is the one who has been keeping you afloat When the billows of struggle could have taken you under. God has been the one sustaining you and guiding you. And Lord, 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 we need to praise his name. We need to say, you know what, Lord, I'm here. I I worship you. I honor you. It's not about what I have. It's because I have you. And therefore, because I have you, I'm going to be all right. Things don't happen by a chance, but they happen Because of providence. You see, Jehoah has defeated himself the first day he chose to follow Jeroboam, a man. Instead of following God, who is not a man. He defeated himself by making that decision. It always comes and it always starts when you make a calculated decision to do something. Because what you you and me need to understand is that if we are to succeed, we need our need, God. You see, God is like a charger. A charger that you use to charge a computer. Now, a computer, a laptop, can survive without being charged or without being plugged in for 8 to 10 to 15 hours. You know, the numbers are going up. A computer can survive. But the moment it's been unplugged and it is being used, the depletion of the energy from the computer, the battery charge starts to go down. And you know that eventually you have to plug it in to to the power, to the power source. And that's how you and me function. That's how you and me operate. But I'm so glad that when we have defeated ourselves when we have made mistakes against ourselves that God is there to recharge us God is there to pick us up God is there to say you know what I know you have made a mistake I know you have lost uh the job I know you have lost the business deal I know that you have lost the person I know that you have lost the position I know that it is gone but I'm here for you I'm here to take care of you and this is what Jehovah has understood in verse number four, because the text says, and Jehoahaz besought the Lord. He went before God. The one the one person he he was doing evil against, he decided to have a FaceTime conversation with God. If I was God, I'd have told Jehoahaz, Jehoahaz, where have you been all of these years? But I'm glad that Jehoh God is not Henry. God is God. And so God, check this, God does not defeat. An already defeated person. God doesn't scold you. God rather chooses to mold you and bring you back to himself. And I love this. The, the, the text says, And the Lord hearkened unto him, for he saw the oppression of Israel, because the king of Syria oppressed him. Oh, I'm so glad. The Lord heard a defeated man's prayer. The Lord heard the prayer of a man, Who didn't want to follow the ways of God? The Lord heard prayer of a man who turned his back on him. But that's who God is. God always hears a prayer. It doesn't matter if you are a defeated mother. It doesn't matter if you're a defeated father. It doesn't matter if you're a defeated student. It doesn't matter if you have failed, it doesn't matter if you're if you're a defeated businessman, a defeated businesswoman, it doesn't matter if things have gone under, but God loves to hear the prayers of the defeated. He loves to hear prayers of those who have reached their wit's end. He loves to hear the prayers of those who they can see their bank account and that it is all gone. He loves to hear those prayers because God doesn't hear our prayers because of what we have done. God hears our prayers because of what He can do, because of what He has done. And that's the good thing about God. God doesn't act, God doesn't behave with us based upon what we have done. God God acts and behaves based upon what He has done. And He has told us in His Word many, many times that I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have given my son for you. And therefore, there is no defeat that can defeat me. There is no defeat that can get in my way. There is no obstacle that I cannot climb over. There is no mountain that I cannot climb over. There is no ocean that I cannot swim in. There is no uh, Antarctica that I cannot go to. There is no situation that can shake me. And that's the God that we serve. And I just want to tell somebody here right now, I don't know what has defeated you in life. I don't know what has gotten uh to you or gotten through you or gotten under you or gotten over you. But I want you to know that God is there for you right now. And like Jehoahaz, the name means the Lord has grasped. Jehoahaz means God has grasped. Like Jehoahaz, allow God to, to grasp you and to bring you to himself. And like Jehoahaz, go before God and say, you know what, Lord? I, I need you. You know, the text doesn't tell us the prayer of Jehoahaz. It doesn't tell us what he said to God. But I want to believe that it was something like this, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> hey Lord mm, mm, mm. it's tough I mean it's difficult I'm having a hard time Lord I need your help Lord I got nowhere else to go that was the prayer of Jehovah he prayed about his situation and he asked God God can you step in for me right here and I want to pray and encourage you that you like Jehovah should pray about your defeats is it pride that is always defeating you you know, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that you're so proud that you can't accept help from others. You're so proud that you always have to have the last word. Is it pride? You can tell God, God, defeat my pride. It is defeating me. Is it lack like of confidence that is de- defeating, defeating you? That every time you, you prepare your presentation at work, every time you're, 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 you're about to, to talk uh, and have that conversation, you, 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 you become unconfident or you, you lose your confidence. Is it that? Tell God, God, I'm not a confident person. You know, I need your help. Is it doubt? You know, uh, God tells you he can, he can save you and, and God tells you things that can happen in your life. Is it that? Tell God, God, doubt is kicking my butt. I don't know what is defeating you, but whatever is defeating you should be your prayer point. Stop these holier-than-thou prayers. The God of, of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of this. Man, God is like, Cut through the red tape and just come to me and let's talk about it. You tell me your situation and let's deal with it. But I want you to know that when you come to God honestly, when you come to God consistently, when you come to God openly and clearly and not try to be undercover or to be a ninja, when you come to God like that, God opens his arms. And I'm glad that Jehoahaz did not allow his defeat to defeat him in prayer. He went boldly before the throne of grace and he found grace in the time of his need. He had failed to succeed, but at least in one thing, Jehovah succeeded is that he went to his need. You may fail in everything else. You may not be educated as you, you think you should be educated, but there is one thing that you should not fail in and that is going to God. You know, I'm ending Fight Club on this point because I believe that many of us do not pray enough. Many of us are defeated because our knees do not know how to hit the ground. Many of us are defeated because we do not know how to open our mouths to God. Many of us are defeated because we just don't know how to tap into that defined standard. But I'm telling you that it is through prayer. It is through courageous prayer that you gain the victory in your life that you are a fighter in your life that in the fight club of god you're able to knock out those spiritual giants you're able to uppercut your doubt you're able to to jab your 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 you're able to to, to, to jab any uh, character flaw because when you tap into god god gives you the way to victory but i want you to know that uh The prayer of Jehoahaz was actually a self-defeating prayer. The prayer of Jehoahaz was actually a defeating prayer. It was not a victorious prayer. Now, you're like, Pastor, you have just told us pray and this and that. Now, you're telling me like Jehoahaz defeated himself by praying? Yes, he did. Notice what he did. The text says he went and he sought. He went and he sought. The, Lord. the text is so vague because it wants you to understand that Jehoahaz was not looking for a changed heart. He was looking for changed circumstances. He wanted God to take away the Syrians. He wanted God to remove the difficulty and the struggle, but he didn't want God to touch him right here. And I know this because when you read verse number five, it says, and the Lord sent a Savior. It means that God brought deliverance for Jehoahaz and the whole nation of Israel. But when you read verse number six, when you read verse number six, look at verse number six. It says, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam. Can you imagine that? It means that when Jehoahaz went before God, he wasn't going before God to be changed within. He was going before God to be, for his circumstances to be changed And when God changed the circumstances, when God brought the deliverance, he went back to his old life. You know what I'm talking about? He went back to his old habits. And he went back to what he knew, the default option. How amazing it is. This really makes me sad. That he didn't allow God to bring him to the next level. He didn't allow God to take him to the place he needed to be. And that is where he defeated himself in prayer. You cannot go before God and say, you know what, Lord, help me. But you're still thinking about the alcohol, the, the bottle. You cannot, before, you cannot go before God and say, Lord, help me. But you're still planning to go on that website. You cannot go before God and say, Lord, help me. But you're still planning to see him or her. You cannot say, Lord, help me. But you're still planning to do the very same thing. That is a mockery. God cannot help you. And I want you to understand that God did not help Jehoahaz. Because when you read verse number 25, you discover that it is Jehoahaz's son, Joash, who was able to defeat the Syrians. It wasn't Jehoahaz because God looked and he saw through Jehoahaz and he saw Jehoahaz is playing with me. He's not really seeking my favor. He just wants to use me for a favor. (laughs) He just wants to use me to get what he wants. And so God did not deliver him. And I want you to understand that when God sees that you don't intend to change, God might actually delay the deliverance because he sees that you're just playing around. And I want us to stop these self-defeating prayers. I want us to stop defeating ourselves even in prayer. You're reading the Bible, but you're not really interested in it. You're coming to church, but you're not really interested in church. You talk spiritual, but you're not really spiritual. That is defeating yourself. And Jehovah has defeated himself. And he didn't allow himself to tap into that divine standard because he was not interested in change of heart was interested in change of circumstances. You know, in this COVID season, please don't, don't pray for God to simply change the circumstances. Pray, Lord, what is it that you should do for me at this particular moment? What is it that you should do for me right now? What particular sin has been holding me back that I, I, I need to, to throw in the trash? What What habit do I need to get rid of in my life? Lord, what is it? What is that spiritual at, at, at attitude, that, that, mental, uh, that mental thing in my head that is keeping me from, from getting closer to you? What is that stronghold there, Lord, that you need to change? Pray for a change. Like David, be like, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Pray for God to change your life, not simply your circumstances. You see, an ATM, I wish you could be quiet in the room. You see, an ATM, an ATM allows you to transact for the moment. It allows you to transact for the moment. When you, when you need something, when you need something, you go to the ATM and you, you know, you get, you get money. And then you transact. Jehoahaz used God like an ATM. He needed God to help him at the moment of his challenge. But I'm here to suggest to you that we should not be using God like an ATM. Rather, we need to use God For an all moment transaction. Meaning that every moment of your life. Every moment of your day. Whatever is going on around you. You are always tapping into God's power. Into God's ability. And and always seeking the Lord. Don't only seek God when you need God. Seek God every day. Because you always need God every day anyway. And so as I'm ending Fight Club, the way we fight our battles is when we pray with God every step of the way, seeking his face, going before him, pleading with him. And I'm here to suggest to you that make prayer your habit. Make prayer your strategy. Make prayer that one thing that you go to in the morning, at lunch, at at, at night, before you go to sleep. Make it that one thing that is your go-to. And if you can stand with me today, and you say, you know what? Yeah, I get it. There are going to be fights in my life. I'm going to struggle. But man, there's one thing that I'm not not going to do. That is I'm not not going to pray. I'm going to make prayer a no moment transaction. It's going to be something that I do all of the time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit to praying to God every day, at least three times a day, in the morning, at noon and at night. Pastor, how do I do that? It's Very simple. Just begin. Make it a part of your schedule. Write down in your schedule. Prayer time. Prayer time in the morning. Put it on your schedule. They, maybe when you're traveling from, I mean, you're moving from your office down, downstairs to go get something to eat. You know what I mean? You can, you can have a moment to pray. At night, when, you, when you're traveling from the, from the office or in the grab, whatever you can, you can pray anywhere. All I'm simply saying is tap into God. Transact your life around God. Make prayer an all-moment transaction. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Mighty God, thank you for your love, for your care, for your goodness. And I humbly ask you that you would help us today. That we can make prayer an all-the-moment transaction. That we seek you, we follow you, we need your will 100% of the time. We need your help 100% of the time. And I pray that you would help us as we bring Fight cup to a close. That we will be truly victorious and fighters in the battles of life. Bless my brothers and sisters, inspire them um, and help them and lead them to the place that you'd want them to be. This is my prayer. This is my hope and I humbly ask all of it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.